0: You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 6, Episode 24, Star Trek Motion Picture Poll, July 14th, 1976.
1: Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment
0: from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host... Dr. Trek, Larry Nemichek.
1: And welcome back, Star Trek fans, all you Star Trek historians, you canonistas, I say that lovingly. Hey, anybody that uh, loves to talk about Star Trek on its own terms and what it meant for the world around us, I'm talking to you, Trekophile spelled with an F. Can you believe it that this has been six seasons of the Trek Files? I'm so glad to share it with you. Um Let's share one more. (laughs) A snapshot in time, as we always like to say, I came across this interesting, well, poll. So, hey, as always, check us out there on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash thetrekfiles, because you really do need to look at this document. Uh, We're going to be talking about it. Uh, I'll be right back. Listen to a sample here, audio-wise as well. And then I will be right back with this week's
0: great guest. Thank you for sending the results of the Star Trek motion picture poll. You've obviously spent a great deal of your time in doing this and your efforts are greatly appreciated. I plan to look over these results carefully at a later time and have no doubt that there will be things of value in our efforts to produce a successful Star Trek motion picture.
1: Yes, truck and files <laughs> and by the phrase, a successful Star Trek motion picture, you know we're obviously talking pre-1979, because there had not been one yet, uh, much less more than one. So this is a poll. Um, we don't have any more information. I tried to do some research. We don't have any more information about the person, the methodology, but we do apparently see that it's Houston-based. Oh, there's that city once again in fandom. But hey, um, what better way to close out our sixth season and to tackle an interesting, again, look at fandom then and now? Then with our old buddy, you know him from hosting Mission Log and Mission Log Live, and he produces this show every week. Hey, my buddy, John Champion, John. Welcome in. Welcome back. And um, as if you're never really gone in the beginning, but welcome back to the (laughs) mic here.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be behind the mic and uh, talking about fandom. And, uh, and you know, my immediate thoughts on this document... Uh, It it says something to me, this is the kind of thing that I probably would have done, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. not on this big a scale, maybe not as expertly put together, uh, probably would not have sent it off to Gene Roddenberry. But I'm just thinking about conversations with other friends and fans and thinking, yeah, somebody at Paramount really needs uh, our voice on this. (laughs) They they need to know what what we think about Star Trek in a uh, in an objective scientific manner.
1: Yeah, and as I was saying, it's set. We have you know uh, Carol Brownell here, or Brownell, uh, from Houston Mm -hmm. again. Houston, major town in fandom here. This is six years before the Con of Wrath, (laughs) Ultimate Fantasy. But it was a big town for conventions, like so many you know uh, science fiction as well as Star Trek conventions for many years. So we obviously can see here that Carol made this survey, a questionnaire of what is it, 743 people. Yeah. Um, we don't know what the methodology was. Did she find people at a convention? Did she run around to club meetings? What, you know, how she did it. But we've got a demographic breakdown and... uh and it skews young. I, I, that,
0: that was the most interesting thing to me. So you you said, you know, you wondered what the methodology was and were they fan club members and did she just find them at a convention? There's a mm. little bit of everything here. And I was very surprised to see how young it skewed. And I was surprised to see how many were not in a uh, fan club because that was my immediate thought is particularly this being 1976. Mm-hmm. This is. Pre Star Wars, this is that nebulous time. Let's remember this is a year before Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. So this is that nebulous time between okay, there's uh, letter writing campaigns for the original series that have come and gone, there's the animated series that has come and gone. The only real communication about a future Star Trek project would be from Star Trek fan clubs. Uh, this is before this would be really be something mm-hmm. in the wider, uh, science fiction or entertainment press because no, you know, nothing really has come out of it yet. And as far as production goes, they're still asking themselves, well, if we could even revive it, would it be a TV show? Would it be a movie? Would it be a TV show? What is it? Um, so, for her to have gone to the trouble of amassing this many people, and we're saying that uh, we're looking here on the fourth page uh, 479 people with club affiliation, 264 mm-hmm. not. I, I would have expected nearly a hundred percent to be in a fan club. I would expect for this poll to have been done at a convention, probably. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and what that let's and and again, this is a year before Star Wars, and as far as the Star Trek evolution, this is right at the time when basically the the project we think about the God thing mm-hmm. was dead, and it was right at the time. And if she had done this poll, at least say the month before this, and that would have been a fast turnaround. But she had no idea that Jerry Eisenberg was being hired this same month to work uh, to what we now call Planet of the Titans. Mm -hmm. The two British writers, uh, Bryant and Scott, were about to be hired all in this same month. So as far as the great movie, where will it be? What will it be? When will – who will do it? That whole trail of the 70s, that's where we are in that evolution. So she's taking this poll kind of in this general feeling that fans know that Star Trek has – exploded enough into the mainstream consciousness that Paramount wants to do something and there's been that back and forth talk and something is happening. So that's where Gene's coming from and that's where the fans mm-hmm. who were asked this. But yeah, like you say, it's this is a time when fanzines and then giving away to fan clubs is kind of the organizing, you know, today we might say how many how many Facebook group pages are you on? You know, if not an actual right. physical club, because that's the organizing. You know the, and you might say that the fan club members are in you know active fandom as as opposed to right. armchair fans. But she's getting to all of them. She's getting to a cross-section here, which is interesting.
0: No, I would say, and and skewing young. You know, Again, that that, that I think is really important here, that you're talking about five fans who are under 10, but uh, 208 (laughs) fans uh, who are 10 to 15, and that is the biggest demographic chunk. Uh, Now, you have the majority who are over 15, uh, but even then, you're talking about 16 to 20 years old, uh, very few who are under 30, 59 fans who are are under 30 so i'm sorry who are we're, over some, 30 um we're gonna somehow trust those fans yeah, over 30 right but, you know, yeah yeah so <laughs> per the old
1: button of the time yeah, yeah don't so, trust anyone over 30
0: again it just really raises that question of where was this poll given uh what was her circle to reach out to to even right. go find this many people
1: well and apart from even the survey it reminds us how you know how yes there were lots of um you know, uh, engineers and historians and teachers and just everyday working people who love Star Trek, parents who introduced it to their kids, mm-hmm. grandparents, too. Let's not be, you know, ageist here. But the thing about Star Trek was the stereotype was, oh, those Trekkie kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And it really reminds me here how when Star Trek exploded and burst and and maybe it was because of the energy of youth. Mm-hmm. That, you know the sit-ins and the the you know the '69 Caltech sit-in that we've got the pictures from when they were trying to have the the, the save Star Trek campaign, but it really reminds me of the power of Star Trek's fandom and all the energy behind the renewal and the comeback and no we will not give this up and no you will not take this show from us you better bring it back uh, was all about youth and yeah. her survey I mean again we don't know how scientific this was. Or, How she collected the numbers But every You know The vast bulk of this Is under 30 And a a fifth of them 150 of them We don't have an age So You know It would even skew Even younger If you took out 150 there as opposed to today where we've been worrying about where we've been worrying about the the fan base aging itself out you know and reattracting the the youth audience and hoping the new animated series each in their own way are going to are going to get back to that demo but it really reminds us here what a youth earthquake Star Trek really began as
0: and, and what you're saying brings us back to this whole idea of what I always like to point out which is this very unique ownership situation that fandom mm-hmm. has with their Star Trek you know their love of Star Trek Um, that is not the same with a lot of other fandoms Uh, (laughs) the idea that these fans are invigorated by the idea that even if okay even if half the people answering this are under 15 years old uh, they're probably old enough to have known somebody who wrote a letter during those great letter-writing campaigns Mm -hmm. in the late 60s um, They feel uh, proprietary over Star Trek. They feel like their voices have been heard and can be heard again. Uh, But I think there's a big, big difference here, which is those original letter writing campaigns, those original expressions of fandom were just about pressuring a network and producers to make more. This is a different kind of letter (laughs) that says not only do we want you to make more, we want you to make specifically what we think you should make. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, and that's where a I really committee start that is. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I start to really question. Um, well, I, to me, it's not really a question of my mind, but um, I, I start to wonder about that relationship between producer and consumer, uh, writer and mm-hmm. reader, or or watcher. You know, this is the kind of thing where yeah, it might be interesting in the academic sense. But this is not how movies and TV shows are made (laughs) by committee, (laughs) by 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 a committee of
1: 750, or 750,000.
0: Right. And and we're talking about 750 people here in uh, Houston that Carol Mm -hmm. Brownell was able to find. Imagine this then repeating to every major city in every state all over the country, not to mention fans from all over the world who are also thinking the same thing. That their voices need to be heard to guide along these producers to make the show that they want to see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it is. You're right. It is is kind of a marker of the revolution in fan ownership, which, again, Star Trek Mm -hmm. kind of set the template for. We're a year before Star Wars and this is 1976. So we're way before social media or even, you know, digital connection and email and everything was paper and stamp and ink you know any movement right. so the fact that star trek sprung up organically it was not a manufactured moment you know no one went out and 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 did a promo tour for this or or engineer. i mean yeah Gene kind yeah. of engineered the the shepherding of the you know with with B. Joe and john trimble but still it was it was a movement that was there to be grabbed by the horns it existed it just needed to be channeled and organized and show yeah. up on the radar screen well i um it's also interesting and again this is 76 and you're right this was mm-hmm. Not the mail-in campaign, which would have been seven, eight years before this. Um, but it was mm-hmm. it was enough of a time where, yeah, the primary objective was not to save the existing series, but to get it back. But it's like there's a level here of, of uh, expectation that we're beyond just, will there be a movie? And now we're into, what will it look like? And, of course, everyone's got an opinion. And even she's asking— um, Right. She's asking genre types here, which is kind of interesting. But notice, she it looks like she's giving A, B, C, D answers, and people still write in, you know, odd, you know, what type of what genre do you want? Action, well, adventure somebody wings. wrote in musical. Yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Um, somebody, yeah. somebody wrote in so. on another genre. Somebody wrote in. What, what do you think? People uh, uh, like disaster movies, like you know, like airplane and towering inferno. I mean, which was a yeah. dominant theme then. Um, yeah. Yeah, of course, people and the combinations and people who had to write more than one answer. And she's she's very dutifully writing down when people you know couldn't just give her one answer and wrote you know wrote two more or three more down.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting in retrospect to look at this preference of uh, genre or story type uh, because of what we got in later Star Trek. Mm -hmm. You know, the the fact that uh, comedy scores pretty low, you know, 33 votes. uh, The the only vote that was lower than that was romance with 21, uh, far outpaced by action adventure at 392 votes. But as we all know, you know, for a long stretch of time, the most successful Star Trek film was the one with the most humor in it, Star Trek Four. Now, it was not an outright comedy, but it certainly had the the funniest bits yeah. of any of the other Star Trek scripts.
1: Yeah. Um, certainly on and global then, scale, you know, it was the most
0: popular. Yeah, film. yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um and then you look at some of these other well you could make an argument against romance or against drama, but then I would argue that uh, a lot of what what we sort of internally think makes Star Trek tick is character relationships and our relationship with those characters. We can say action-adventure would be a driving force to attract a big audience, but what makes them stick and what makes those mm-hmm. characters live after decades and decades is the uh, the attachment to the personal relationships. Uh, so it, it, it's I, I, all of this, obviously, we're saying you have to take with a grain of salt, um, as I'm sure Gene did as well. It's interesting. It's interesting in this academic sense to sort of get a a finger on the pulse of fandom. But when a writer actually sits down to create a script, all of that has to go out the window and you have to focus on the story that you want to tell and the story that is true to the characters that you're writing about.
1: Right. Again, not scientific, not a sample, uh, scientific sampling, Mm -hmm. but by the, you know, but it's not a, it's not 50 or 100 people. It's 700, nearly 750. So which... Which is significant. Which is significant, even as as anecdotal or not matched. Well, the thing I think is most, uh, you know, and and there's the question here, the emphasis, you know, the Enterprise crew wins out and then alien cultures. I mean, some of these things are. But the the overall Mm -hmm. aspect of this that I think is the most interesting and the most telling of how sophisticated fandom already was is the Mm -hmm. fact that she doesn't just say, hey, what do you think? She's asking fans to think about the general public. This is a movie that has to make a profit. And when she gets even to the point of... And another thing that's, you know, couple that with the insightful question of, well, if there is, obviously a movie will be a bigger scale, it'll be twice as long, bigger budget, but what is a tonal uh you know live action episode that you think should be should be used as a model for the movie what what tone what aspect and yeah. and that's where all the the long episode voting is really about and not only is that insightful but then she says what do you think will get the general public in what what you know and she asked yeah. these questions uh, uh you know um what do you think the general public should see as a, what will get them in as, as far as a genre, as far as um, what do you think they'll be most interested in versus what you as a fan would? Which you know, whatever the results are, I think it's great that she asked those questions and then to see how they what the fan thinks versus what the fan thinks, you know, ma- mainstream mundane public would come in and pay a ticket for, you know.
0: Well, exactly. And and I think that's where the really interesting uh, results are in the episode-by-episode episode mm-hmm. breakdown, the episode-by-episode episode vote. So, on the first part of that, if what we're asking is, what do you think other people would prefer? You know, the, the shows that have the highest votes, uh, they're both in the first season, and probably not much of a surprise to anyone. City on the Edge of Forever gets 50, uh, Balance of Terror gets 53. Here are two very different episodes, Mm -hmm. one that is uh, sort of a high-minded science fiction idea, but based around... A romance romance, story, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, uh, which immediately flies in the face of the previous poll results. But then uh, Balance of Terror, then you have a Cold War tension story. Classic submarine uh, story, right? Yeah, yeah, submarine battle, you know, which, of course, you certainly can argue we got in Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan and the way Mm -hmm. those battle scenes played out. But let's look at. The final page because then you had the episode by episode voting of what these uh, the people answering the poll, what their preferences were. And far and away, the highest votes on any episode across any season <laughs> is the trouble with tribbles. 136 votes. So, these fans are saying that that is their favorite episode, that's what they want to see more of. And there are many good things to be said about Trouble the Tribble, certainly it is iconic. Um, Then I think the follow-up question is, well, what is it out of that episode that speaks to these fans. That says that is their go-to. That's what they think of when they think of Star Trek. Or that's what and they think the
1: general public is going to pay to get yes. into a movie to see a Star Trek movie. Well, and right. does that does that fly back into the fact that what that two thirds of the poll that gives an age is under thirty?
0: Right. Uh, you that know, could much could less very teenagers. Well yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 But then interesting to note that the the next episode down number 2 on that in terms of the votes by half it we're back to city on the think edge of forever, right? right. So well, there's you, an episode wonder, that also has an indelible uh staying yeah. power. And
1: yeah. you wonder even for for her asking the question that way, you wonder how many kids 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds mm-hmm. are able to distinguish what they think the you know beyond their world <laughs> if if the Yeah. Who else is a non fan? Are they thinking who else in my class is a non fan or are they thinking actually thinking of the broad you know demographic range right. that's out there right so that's I'm yeah. thinking that's skewing this a little bit, but it's even even with that caveat of well, let's check the demo on the on who's responding here, which was really insightful um it's, uh, at the end, the last one here that I think we should grab onto mm. is the number four question. Just why would she ask this? Should the Star Trek motion picture be controversial? Well, okay, define controversial.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, right, right. That that word is doing a lot of work in that sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But it's like two to one here. Uh, well, no preference, 50 but uh, no, it yeah. should not be controversial. <laughs> like, no, just have it kind of sit there in the corner and be bland and
0: uh, all the things right, we say we right. love
1: about it. Just don't tell anybody.
0: Um, yeah, I, I would but, love to know if there were write in answers on that. I would love to know what people <laughs> thought would be controversial or what topics or how they even thought Star Trek would approach Controversy. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, I, don't know. I try to curious. I try to
1: project this to today, and I guess the overall the first thing that hits me is can we have a poll where two thirds of the people are <laughs> under thirty that answer it? <laughs> or, you know, or half or yeah. under twenty. No, that 21. would be nice,
0: right? Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Just to
1: think that's where the emphasis. Is. I don't know. I I'm trying to project out what this tells us about fandom today, and mm-hmm. aside from the fact that people feel very invested, no matter what you know where they are or how old they are. We've got that, uh, and well, that, and it's, that again, never changes. How, yeah, yeah, again, how how far back that goes? If once you've saved a show from oblivion, uh, and then you you oversee the revolution that makes it the first show where you know independently produced, not a Batman, you know, not a not a Battlestar Galactica '78 cobbled together movie, but an mm-hmm. originally produced theatrical movie. Like when that's when that's yeah. happened, that was a, that was shockingly new at the time but here we are right out of that era when that was happening and what fans were this this bracket of fandom anyway so thank you uh carol i wish we had your setup letter but um that and gene's gracious reply giving it all capital letters the star trek capital m motion picture poll mpp so he must have thought it was worth a reply yes yeah, busy guy. Anyway, well, John, thanks for uh, jumping in and uh, taking a look at this, and thanks for, thanks for being with me through uh, six seasons, and um, you know, uh, reaching out to thank do this, you, do thank this you. Series. I think we have we have more truckophiles all the time, and I look forward as the world yeah. opens up here. I look forward to getting out and uh, talking with everybody more, and we've got so many great things on the horizon already planned. I can't
0: wait. Yeah, pleasure to be here, and I look forward to many more. The Trek Files is produced
1: by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. And as usual, all of our documents, like this poll and your chance to comment, are available at facebook.com/slash the Trek Files. For more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes now, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47. That's me at Larinimichek.com. We'll see you down the line, everybody. Trek Well.